You're listening to bonus episode one of the Holistic Health Monthly of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast with Matt Hollow and a special Q&A with Dr. Malia Watts. Prosper, flourish, bloom with your people, your close-knit group, your clan, straight out of area code 419 with the most cutting-edge, controversial, and enlightening information from the most knowledgeable experts in everything mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the Thrive Tribe 419 Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Hollow. Blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. That's by Hamilton Wright Mabi. It's M-A-B-I. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. Do you know? No idea. It <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Christmahana Kwanzaa or whatever you choose to celebrate. Um, I'm here with my husband, Matt, tonight. Hey, everybody. And we are going to get started with our first Holistic Health monthly episode. And this episode is the first of many to come. I'm planning to do one of these at the end of each month. And it's sort of a compilation of some wisdom that we're taking from things that we're reading or listening to. Matt's going to give his insight um, as a therapist and talk about EFT. And each month we're going to have an expert do some Q&A with listener-submitted questions. So it's pretty cool. I got to say, I'm kind of excited about this. I definitely want to listen to it. Yeah. So this fall, I did a little book club with some of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast listeners, and we attempted to read um, (laughs) Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, and I had planned six weeks for this, and the book actually ended up being so... I don't want to say thick. I don't know if that's the right word, but dense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, she's a researcher. She's a PhD. So it's just so full of so many insightful, wise things. I mean, every page is just, it's just so much information to absorb. And I think it was a little bit overwhelming for most of us. who were trying to read the book in six weeks and discuss it each week. So we kind of, we got to about week three or four and a lot of us were getting behind. So we decided to sort of break off on our own and finish the books and um, report back to the group as necessary. So I actually just finished the book. So it took me about three times as long as I expected it to. Mm. That kind of reminds me of uh, when we were reading Eckhart Tolle a couple of years ago. It was it was so full of of great information and insights that just kind of blew your mind that you had to kind of sit with it for a while and and you couldn't just like rush through it and it sounds like this is what that was like too yeah so much so the the theme of the book is really about wholehearted living um Wholehearted living is about engaging in our life from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I am imperfect and vulnerable, 
and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. That's that's nice. Yeah. You looked like you wanted to say something. No, you're good. Just listening really (laughs) uh, intently because uh, it's the first time I'm hearing some of this. Yeah, so... Being wholehearted means believing we are enough, which is kind of hard to do. We think abundance, having more, doing more, and being more is the goal. But the opposite of scarcity, real abundance, is knowing we are enough despite having or doing or being absolutely nothing at all. Being human is the only prerequisite, and understanding this concept allows us to become braver, more compassionate, and more connected. Being human means having emotions. Emotions are human. Would you agree with that statement? Most definitely. (laughs) As a therapist? Absolutely. (laughs) So yeah, let's all admit that it's normal to have emotions, whether they are good emotions or bad emotions and i think a lot of people tend to look at bad emotions as something that we need to um cover up or rise above or whatever but um i'd say about 50 percent of our emotions are probably negative emotions and that's that's normal i mean we wouldn't we wouldn't know what the good ones are if we didn't have some bad ones right And and i think we spend a lot of time um you know amplifying how important those things are because of how strong they can be sometimes. So I think we we feel like there's way more negative emotions than positive emotions, and it really isn't the case. Mm-hmm. So we all have shame, and I remember when we first met, there was somebody you were going to school with who was studying shame, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so weird. It was such a weird topic to pick for a dissertation um but after reading Brene Brown who is a shame researcher I'm seeing that um this is actually a really important topic that I think is overlooked a lot of times because shame um from what I've learned from Brene Brown's book shame is often confused with guilt and I never realized the difference between these things but Guilt means that you can feel, or th- or that you feel you did something bad. Bad or wrong, yeah. Wrong, yeah. And shame is the feeling that you are inherently bad or wrong. So that kind of opened my eyes and started some wheels turning, I guess, mm-hmm. about the way that I think about myself and about my actions and emotions. And I think it's really important to make the distinction between guilt and shame because shame often leads to blaming outside circumstances or other people for our problems. It's like a defense mechanism because we feel ashamed. We feel Mm -hmm. as though we aren't enough and we need to defend ourselves. Right. So... Only sociopaths don't feel shame. It, it's like a, a very human way to feel. All humans feel shame at some point or another. 
And I think it's yeah. important to remember that it's normal to feel that way, but being aware of it is important because shame can prevent us from recognizing our own responsibility in the state of our lives. So the question is, how do we combat shame? How do we fight shame? How do we work with our shame? I think, first of all, for me, I've realized that it helps when I reach out to other people and find support from people who have gone through or are going through some of the same things that I am. Because I realize that it's not just me. I, it These situations aren't caused because I am a bad person or I'm not rising above it because I'm just inherently bad in some right. way. Uh, it, it shows me the humanness in myself to see other people dealing with the same thing. I think that's where people really benefit from things like group therapy because that shared experience really helps us to feel like I'm not alone in, in the world. I'm not alone in, with this problem um, because we often feel like we're the only ones who have ever dealt with the problems that we're dealing with. And that's rarely true, mm-hmm. if ever true, at this point in history. Right. Um, yeah. So I think taking it a step further, this is something that Dr. Tyler Schwanz had talked about in his episode about being a conventional healthcare rebel, and you guys can back up and listen to that if you want, but he talks about looking for people who have successfully come through a situation, whether it be a a health crisis or a circumstance in life, um, somebody who's come through that situation and come out well on the other end. Um, You want to follow their lead. You know, being a copycat is is great when um, you have somebody to copy who has been through it and Mm -hmm. can give you some good advice. So... Do you agree with that? I would say so. And I think none of us are completely alone. And we, we, ne- we never walk without some Sherpa to, to get us to the top of where we want to be. We always have help in some way. Um, and, I, and I think that's definitely a good, good example of that. And we live in a society where we're told oftentimes that we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Mm-hmm. And also that... Um, people have gotten where they are through hard work. Well, I think really we get where we are because we have people around us who help us get there. Oh, yeah. Um, It's not just blood, sweat, and tears on one person's part. We're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we're we're very interdependent, and, and I think it's important to remember that because when we don't, I think that leads us open to a lot of false, uh, uh, you know, a lot of narcissism, a lot of feeling like, oh, I got here by nothing but my own blood, sweat, and tears. But we also got here by probably hundreds of other people uh, helping us in some way or another, whether we realize it or not. Absolutely. Another thing is that I think we need to learn how to talk to ourselves with love. And this is something that is very hard for me. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I have to 
really listen to the thoughts that are in my head and correct those thoughts pretty often throughout the day. I'm, I'm getting used to hearing my thoughts now and calling them for what they are and recognizing them when they come up. Um, but it, it's tough. And a great way to practice this is to write positive notes to yourself and leave them around your house. I have done this before, and I also used um, positive affirmations um, when I was getting ready to have our second baby. I had mm-hmm. positive affirmations by my bed and would read them every night and just repeat them throughout the day for like my last trimester, just repeated them throughout the day over and over. Because if if the positive thoughts are taking up space in my head, mm-hmm. then it's kind of blocking the access of the negative thoughts. And I really could tell a difference when I started to go into labor with my baby, especially. I could tell that this time around I was a lot more chill about it. I, mm-hmm. I felt more confident, um, felt stronger in myself. I believed in myself. Um, and I've done that with positive affirmations around the house before, too. Sometimes I put them in places where um, I'll forget where they are and then I'll discover them later. And I'm like, oh, right. yeah, <laughs> it's like a thanks happy, me. Yeah, thanks me. It's a happy little discovery. Um, well, but it's and, hard. It's yeah. hard to do. And, and I think one thing that's important to re- realize is that positive thoughts are so much more powerful than negative thoughts. And when we allow that to occupy the space in our in our in our mind it it really propels us and and also kind of creates like a mag- magnetic law of attraction too which is super awesome when when you're in that flow mhm so we're both fans of Louise Hay and i think she died recently yeah she died uh, in the past year but she's a very well known um Oh, I don't even know how to describe her. She's an author. She's like a spiritual guru. She wellness. started her own publishing company, Hay House. Right. She has many, many books. And um, one of her pieces of advice is to do mirror work. And that's where you actually talk to yourself in the mirror. And you tell yourself that you love yourself. And you look yourself in the eye. And I have done this. It's very hard to do. It's it's quite uncomfortable. But the more you do it, and I'm out of practice now, it'll probably be hard again, but um, the more you do it, the easier it gets, and the more you kind of start to feel it. Um, I remember doing that before and and, and reading her books, and, and you just kind of, you're like standing in front of the mirror, and you have this sheepish grin on your fa- face, like, like it feels so weird to say that to yourself, but it's like, well, who else should we say it to? We should say definitely say it to ourselves. <laughs> Right. And saying it to ourselves is harder than saying it to anybody else for some reason. <laughs> but that's kind of where it starts. We need to be able to say it to ourselves to love love each other. Mm-hmm. So my third little tidbit here is to own your story. Sarah Dean from the Shameless Mom Academy, which is a podcast that I listen to very often and, and really love, Um, calls this taking radical responsibility. And I really love that because it's like, um, like Dr. Phil says, he says you can't really change a problem until you can admit that you have one. And then Sarah Dean takes it a step further and says, 
after you realize you have the problem, it's up to you and you alone to take action to correct that. And if you can't figure it out yourself, which is fine, you need to find somebody who can help you. And we've already kind of talked about that. So in order to own your story, in order to investigate and discover what this is, um, you can do some things. Some people journal, some people create art, um, some write blogs or make podcasts. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and practice a new mindset. And this is something that Brene Brown suggests saying, um, she says, to tell yourself, my self-worth is not connected to how much I do or how I do it. Now, we've come to the fourth step, I guess I would say. Um, and this is not something that Brene Brown talks about in her book, but it's something that Matt and I know to be very helpful for things like this, and it's EFT tapping. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I would recommend going back and listening to episode three with Matt about emotional freedom techniques, because in that episode, he goes into the deep, deep depths of how EFT <laughs> works. Um, he explains how to do it, how you use a setup phrase, how you go about tapping, um, the acupressure points that you tap on, all of those types of things. So um, after you listen to this, and if you feel a little bit lost with this EFT stuff, just go back and find episode three. But anyway, um, EFT tapping can really help you get to um, a place where you're feeling wholehearted, where you're feeling your self-worth, um, where you're getting a way of connecting yourself you're getting away from connecting your self-worth to how much you do or what you do. Um, and we, Matt and I have been talking about how you can use the phrase, I am enough, mm -hmm. in a setup. So can right. you kind of explain? So, so uh, one of the things with EFT is that you want to kind of identify what the problem is and... For, for this, we're just saying, you know, we want to use an affirmation, I am enough. And it's it's worth noting that typically in, in EFT tapping, when we're doing setups, um, we, we're usually focusing on what the problem is. Now, you can actually do positive, you know, tapping on positives, and, and there's actually a benefit to that, too. Um, when we're tapping on positives... Oftentimes, you know, and if you've ever done affirmations, you may notice like, wow, this feels silly or this doesn't feel quite right or like, I don't believe that. And that's really important because um, sometimes when we're doing affirmations, they may not be as, as helpful as we would like them to be because we're not feeling congruent with what we're trying to say unless we say it an awful lot of times. And it's, it's also worth noting that uh, Louise Hay, towards the end of her life, um, became aware of EFT tapping and started to see the benefit of incorporating tapping with the affirm affirmations that she was doing to break through some of the uh, 
um, the the mind chatter and the negativity and the negative thoughts that that were getting in the way of um, the affirmations working as best as they could. So so to get back to I am enough, you could do it one of two ways. You can you can start with a setup phrase of saying, um, even though I don't feel like I'm enough, I. I know that I am and I choose to feel like I am enough. Or you could just try it as a positive and say, I know that I'm enough and I deeply and completely accept myself. And while we're doing that, we're tapping on our karate chop point on either hand. Um, that's the point, like the, the fatty part of the bottom of our hand. And we can repeat that two or three times in different ways. And then once we do that, we would tap the top of our head and we would want to continue to focus on you know, saying, I am enough. And then the next point, our eyebrow point, say, I am enough. I know that I'm enough. And you can vary that. Um, you can say other things that might come to your mind um, around, I am enough. I know that I'm good enough. Um, I feel good about myself. I, you know, I know that I'm enough. And as you're doing that, um, the next point's the side of your eye, and then under your eye, and then under your nose. And then the dip in your chin and across your collarbone and under your arm. And then you just go back to the top of your head. And, and while you do that, you're saying, I am enough. I am enough. And just kind of pay attention to what your body is telling you. Are you feeling, um, you know, like a, like, a, like a pinch somewhere or like kind of a knot in your stomach or a lump in your throat? Um, is there, is there that small voice in your head that's saying, no, you're not, no, you're not, or like, this is stupid or <laughs> something like that. Um, that's really important to be aware of. And I usually, when I do work, EFT work with people, I usually enc encourage people to keep a diary or a journal or some kind of a notebook so you can take notes because those things are important. Um, in EFT work, those things that we put at the end of positive affirmations, we call those tail enders. And those are our true affirmations when we really boil it down. So really that kind of tells us about what our kind of our program is that we're running. Um, so it's not the, the I'm enough that's running. It's the I'm enough on a good day when I'm feeling good and I've had five cups of coffee. It's, you know, it's, it's very conditional. So we want to continue using our EFT to keep tapping so that we're neutralizing that negative emotion that's, that's underneath there and, and start to bring out the, that true belief that we are enough. And, you know, as you're doing that work, you may get some insights and, and there might be memories or events in our life that kind of point to why we might not feel like we're enough. And, and a lot of times for us, it, it starts to go back to what were we told when we were kids? Um, that's quite often uh, the stuff that happened before we were the age of six is when we started to have those unconscious and subconscious beliefs that we that we're not enough. Um, and it may not be anybody's fault. It could be something somebody said, like our, like a parent said, Hey, um, that's not good enough. Or your, your handwriting's terrible or what's wrong with you. And those things become part of the, the programming for what happens to us when we get older. And we're just kind of running that same program. So EFT is a great tool to 
rewire that programming and change it so that there's an adult at the wheel feeling like they're good enough, not, uh, not a five-year-old, because you don't want your five-year-old running your life. <laughs> I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, good point. I would not want my five-year-old running my life. No. <laughs> but <laughs> or that's, my five-year-old self. <laughs> but that's essentially what happens to us is that we, we are, we're running programming from when we were little kids that tells us we're not, not good enough and that we're not smart enough and all of those other things that uh, kind of get in the way of, of feeling wholehearted and feeling like we're enough. Thank you. If anybody feels totally confused about this tapping stuff and episode three is not helpful or you don't have time or wish to do that, I do want to mention that Matt does do EFT one-on-one coaching with mm-hmm. people. Um, if you go to our website, thrivetribe419.com, and click on eCourses, you can um, get signed up to work with Matt. So just wanted to throw that out there really quick. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about is we're, we're going to start our Q&A, and Dr. Malia Watts from Toledo Naturopathic has answered three of our listeners' most burning health questions, and these kind of go along with our theme today, which is pretty cool. It was sort of a coincidence, but um, the first thing that we are going to talk about is how someone can lower their A1C levels Mm -hmm. using natural means. That's a really good one. So, we're literally talking about our hearts now. Dr. Watts says that having an elevation in A1C levels will present in pre-diabetes as well as diabetes. This involves difficulty in metabolizing sugars, which is connected to difficulty more specifically with refined sugars like table sugars and refined carbohydrates like breads, pastas, and baked goods. Foods rich in proteins, fats, and fibers tend to be more supportive for healthy glucose levels and therefore less difficult to metabolize. She says that she typically advocates for a higher protein, higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet, a diet rich in vegetables, lean meats of good quality grass-fed organic variety when possible, Um, eggs if eggs are tolerated, plant-based proteins such as beans, peas, lentils, nuts, and seeds, healthy fats like nuts, seeds, avocados, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, and fruits, although the emphasis should be made on vegetables and to sort of limit the fruits. This also includes avoidance of refined sugars as well as most grains, particularly for diabetes. Dr. Watts said that her patients tend to lose weight fairly quickly with this nutrition change and they see their glucose levels drop, and also they see improvements in hypertension as well as hyperlipidemia. So if those things are bothering you or your loved one, uh, following that nutrition plan that I just talked about should give you some results. Exercise is equally as important. 
Um, study show, studies show best results with four to five hours of exercise per week with a balance of aerobic, which is cardio exercise, and anaerobic, which would be something like strength training. She likes to emphasize nutrition and lifestyle changes with her patients because while medications and supplements have their place, they won't take the place completely of a strong nutrition and lifestyle foundation. So you got to put the work in. A few supplements that she has used for supporting metabolism include chromium, which supports insulin activity, and essential fatty acids, particularly omega-3s, like a fish oil supplement, to support insulin sensitivity and metabolism, and to help support the cardiovascular system. One of Dr. Watts's favorite resources comes from Dr. Bernstein, an integrative MD who is an expert in diabetes management, and his book is called The Diabetes Solution by Dr. Richard Bernstein, so check that out. Now we're going to talk about cultivating gratitude, and we just got through Thanksgiving time, and a lot of us have been actively thinking about things that we're grateful for, but I want to ask you a question, Matt, and listeners. Do you ever find yourself enjoying a moment and then thinking, oh no, (laughs) this won't last Yes. Or, or I don't deserve this. Um, it's like not being able to enjoy a lazy Sunday because you're focused on having to go back to work on Monday. Do you that's know, that's that like my biggest one is is having problems with Sundays. Is yeah, because I'm always thinking about Monday. Yeah, I do that sometimes too. So this is what Brene Brown calls foreboding joy. And the antidote to this is simpler than you probably think. It's just simply being, uh, having gratitude. So gratitude is how we acknowledge that there is enough, that we are enough, that there is enough for us. Um, Feeling joy and then honoring the moment with a conscious effort of giving thanks connects us to a feeling of a power that is greater than us. Some call it God, but others just call it a feeling, a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. Gratitude can be squeezed from the tiniest moments, so don't squander those happy times with a feeling of foreboding dread. Fill them with thanks. The most resilient people on this planet have learned to put gratitude into practice. And that is a scientific discovery that Mm -hmm. uh, Brene Brown made, that the most resilient people on the planet have learned to put gratitude into practice. Um, It's just that simple, saying thank you for this moment. I appreciate this moment. You can thank God or your higher power, or you can thank the universe, or you can just sit and feel the gratitude in your in yourself um i think i always think about people who we see and they're like poor and they have nothing and they have every reason in the world 
to be angry and cynical and frustrated and depressed and sometimes they're the happiest people in the world because they 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 feel grateful for what they do have they feel grateful that they're alive and 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 they they it just exudes out of their body and it's it's like contagious <laughs> yeah well, what's the song? Mo money, mo problems. <laughs> Some, sometimes, yes. <laughs> so, an easy way to deal with this is to be on the lookout for moments where you're feeling vulnerable, and say to yourself, "I'm feeling vulnerable, and I'm so grateful, grateful for blank, blank, blank." Again, that would be, "I'm feeling vulnerable." And I'm so grateful for, and then you would name whatever's happening in the moment. So I'm so grateful for being able to lie on the couch and watch TV on this great Sunday afternoon and just be in the moment. Um, Something that we did in our family recently was a grateful jar. Were you just going to? Well, that was one thing that that I was going to talk about, um, but I was going to also mention how you could use EFT in that moment too. Right. We'll get to that in just a second. Because sure. I want to go over the grateful jar first. Yes. Because I think you're going to go off on a tangent with your EFT. It's certainly <laughs> possible. So <laughs> the great, I can talk to him like this because he's my husband, right? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> so anyway, we did this grateful jar in our house and we got our five-year-old involved with this this year and we started in september i think it was Mm mid-september so we did it for maybe six weeks no it was longer than that yeah i think it was it was uh maybe 12 weeks i don't know something like that 10 weeks anyway we did it from like september through the end of november so what we did was we had this cookie jar on our table and each night when we sat down for dinner we would take the small piece of paper and write what we're thankful for on it and um, toss it in the jar and then when we opened it up at Thanksgiving time the jar was full so we each took turns going around and I would say it took us about a half an hour to read through all of them and that was pretty cool. I think the overwhelming majority of them said food. Dinner, yeah. Prayer likes dinner. <laughs> Our five-year-old loves to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then a lot of them were um, like being thankful for family, being thankful for friends. It was like a lot of people right. that we were thankful for. So poo, f- <laughs> food and people. Right. Um. And then a few miscellaneous other things. Yeah. But. Some, sometimes they were things that were kind of um, going on in the moment that we were able to be grateful for, um, which you know kind of goes back to that, that point that you were making about being in the moment. Right. So let's talk about EFT. Okay. Now... I kind of came up with this phrase myself. Um, I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm so grateful for... um, And I think you could probably use that as an EFT setup. I know if I was doing EFT, I would use that. 
Right. Um, but thinking about like converting the vulnerability to the gratitude. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to add to that when people are doing EFT at home? So you, what, you, what you could do is, is just, just simply saying, um, you know, even though I'm feeling vulnerable right now, and there might be other emotions, I might be feeling anxious, um, frustrated, worried, um, any of those kinds of things, you're feeling those things, um, but then you say, you know, even though I'm feeling vulnerable and anxious, um, um, I'm choosing gratitude. Um, or I'm, I'm choosing to feel grateful. And um, while we're doing that, we're tapping that karate chop point, and we can repeat that two or three times, and then you go back up to uh, the top of your head and start tapping, going through all of the different um, tapping points, and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable, I'm feeling vulnerable. Um, and and being specific is, is very helpful with this. So if there's something specific that you're feeling vulnerable about, um, the more specific you can be about that, the more you're going to be able to zero in on the kind of the energetic and emotional underpinnings of that so that you can neutralize those things. Um, and if it's a memory about something, that's great. If you have a specific memory, that's going to make it a lot easier. And then I think by doing that, we, we, it does kind of unleash that sense of gratitude um, and sometimes we're, we're feeling grateful for our healing at that point. So Yeah, EFT can be so quick and effective sometimes that you really do walk away feeling, like, enlightened. Right. <laughs> you know? And that's, and that's one of the things I always like about it. When, when we do um, therapy, for example, uh, you know, you're with a counselor, a lot of times it's the counselor that's sort of suggesting some like reframe or um, some some idea that helps you to kind of bring out this thing that you've been working on but with EFT it's usually you as the person doing the tapping that is doing the the reframing for yourself so it's even more beneficial because we're like oh my gosh now I'm thinking completely differently and feeling completely differently about this situation that maybe you've been feeling a a certain way about for years and years which is super powerful and that's why it's called emotional freedom techniques amen to that so speaking of foreboding joy and feeling vulnerable We're going to go on to another listener question for Dr. Watts. This one is, can you recommend some treatments for anxiety and depression? And this is what Dr. Watts had to say. In cases of anxiety and depression, it's most important to investigate what the potential underlying cause could be to these concerns. A few common issues I've seen arise in these patients include hypoglycemia, Patients that skip meals, go too long between meals, or lacking in a nutrient-dense diet may experience symptoms from low glucose. One of those symptoms can be anxiety uh, tied with feeling shaky, irritability, and sugar and sweets cravings. She also says... Um, High-stress lifestyles are a factor. We live in a time and society of instant gratification, long work hours, inability to disconnect, 
uh, from cell phones, texting, emails, social media, a big push towards productivity, and this idea that the busier you are, the more successful you are. And I just want to say, she's so right about that. Being busy does not equal being successful. Stress, particularly long-term stress, can have detrimental effects on our health. It's important to have healthy outlets for stress management, like hobbies, exercise, meditation, religion, things like that. In these patients, aside from basic changes in nutrition and lifestyle, use of adaptogenic herbs, like um, these are these are herbs that help with the adaptation to stress, um, can be helpful, like ashwagandha. I hope I'm saying these right. Ashwagandha, which I believe is a type of mushroom, and Eleutherococcus and rhodiola. And I've personally taken rhodiola before, which um, helped with something called demer. It was a dysphoric milk ejection reflex um, that has to do with breastfeeding. So, but yeah, um, rhodiola is a great herb. Um, and then she says that digestive health can also affect someone's uh, feelings of anxiety or, or depression. We now recognize and have studies that suggest that some neurotransmitters, such as serotonin, are produced in the digestive tract. Uh, she frequently tells her patients that if your gut isn't happy, then you may not feel happy either. This can include recognizing if any particular foods trigger feelings of anxiety or depression, such as refined sugars, artificial sweeteners, ingredients, um, or wheat products. There are also specific strains of beneficial bacteria that have been shown to be beneficial for mood, specifically Lactobacillus helveticus and Bifidobacterium longum, uh, one probiotic that has been formulated is Mood Plus by Garden of Life. So that's something to look into. Again, that's Mood Plus by Garden of Life. Alrighty, so now we're going to talk about combating perfectionism, which is another facet of becoming a more wholehearted person. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, this is definitely one of my uh, works in progress. Yeah, me too. Perfectionism, type A personality, fear of failure. We all suffer from these labels from time to time. Fear of not being good enough keeps us from even trying. We fear that we will be rejected if we aren't enough. And there's that word enough again. Brene Brown writes that we believe the most terrifying and destructive feeling that a person can experience is psychological isolation, being locked out of human connection and feeling powerless to change the situation leads to feelings of hopelessness and desperation. People will do almost anything to escape these feelings. This is where numbing begins. Numbing can take the form of food, drugs, alcohol, self-harm, and other destructive behaviors. So now we're getting into some kind of dark stuff that goes along with being a perfectionist. Sure. So 
we're just scratching the surface here, but how can we remedy this? First, we need to learn how to feel all the feels, and we need to know that, again, having emotions is human. Any kind of emotion is human. Feeling bad is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the result of a bad situation. Um, That doesn't mean that we're bad people because we're having bad feelings. Next, I think we need to be really mindful of numbing behaviors. We all have these habits that we are trying to break, whether it be smoking, overeating, um, any kind of self-harm or destructive behavior. Procrastination Mm -hmm. is one of them that comes with perfectionism um, because we feel like we're waiting for the perfect opportunity to do something, and when that never happens, then there's no result right well there is a result the result is not what we want it to be it's the opposite of what we want it to be because we always get a result (laughs) yes but we have to take action toward the result that we want or we're going to get the result that we don't want right i used to always say when i was younger i'll stop procrastinating tomorrow (laughs) and well it, it didn't work out so well but it, I always thought it was funny, and and, it, and if anything, it made me kind of mindful that I needed to stop procrastinating. <laughs> right. Third, I think we need to lean into discomfort and um, and difficult emotions, and kind of get comfy with feeling them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I've been doing is recognizing when I'm having a negative emotion and really thinking about. What's causing this? Is this, you know, something that deserves me to be feeling bad about? Or is this just an emotion that I'm choosing to have about this right now? Is this an appropriate emotion? Um, Is this me just being human? And, you know, when you hear about some some, uh, sad stories about kids on the news get to me. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I give myself permission to feel bad about that. That's human. It... It would be really weird to feel happy about something like that. Mm. You know, a lot of times having negative emotions is not a bad thing. It's it's completely appropriate in many circumstances. Right. Um, when you hear about all these men that are... Um, harassing women. Harassing and... women and, yeah, these crimes. Right. You know, it's appropriate to feel depressed about that, I think. I feel a lot of anger when I when I hear about that because, you know, as as men we need to be better than that and you know treat treat people with more equality and, and fairness and so on and so forth. Right. So that's that's an appropriate reaction. So getting comfortable with our feelings means recognizing that the negative stuff isn't necessarily bad. It's mm-hmm. it's Part of being human and that's what prompts us to make changes um, the fourth thing is that again we can use EFT to help change our numbing behaviors mm-hmm. so all those things that I mentioned overeating procrastinating stopping smoking cutting back on drinking um, if there's any kind of self-harm or or hurting other people you know there's a lot of people that are abusive towards others through their own stress. Um, These are all things that EFT can help with. 
and you are organizing an EFT mastermind class for the new year. And I wanted to mention that too, because um, since we're talking about being wholehearted and striving towards being um, a better version of ourselves, maybe not a better better version even, I, maybe that's not the right word, but um, really coming into our truth, right? coming into our authentic selves. Um, I know a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, and we're actually going to be talking about that on our next episode, about going into the New Year and being shameless. But um, the the mastermind group that you are doing is going to focus on people's New Year's resolutions or goals right. or what have you. Not They don't necessarily have to be a resolution, but some sort of goal. So is it that you want to stop smoking? Is it that you want to pursue a new career? Um, do you want to learn how to live more wholehearted in general? Right. Are you the kind of person that picks a different word each year um, and strives to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I chose a phrase, and it was to stop people-pleasing, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which I think I've done a pretty good job of this year i'm patting Uh, myself on the back for that one right um i would would say so (laughs) thank you so um that's what this mastermind group is going to be about so everybody that signs up for this mastermind gets a free one-on-one coaching session with you Mm -hmm. and you can part of it yeah you can that's part of the class um we're just throwing that in there. So Matt is going to give his time away to anybody who wants it. And then in the group, they're going to be working on any sort of goal that you're setting. And tell me the great thing about a group setting. I think you talked about this a little bit earlier. There, there's, a, there's a concept called um, borrowing benefits. So when, when people do like EFT in a, in a group setting... Um, Maybe there's one person that is the focus of um, a, a, a period of tapping, and that may not be your issue, but you're tapping along with with them as well. Um, so you're also um, on a subconscious level working on your issues, even if those aren't um, first and foremost what's going on there. Um, but there's also kind of an energetic um, district. You know, we're all feeling better by um, the one person that's maybe the focus at that time doing their EFT. So, so we do borrow benefits. So even if people have, are, you know, tapping along with um, a podcast um, and it's not even your issue, you're just tapping along in the car, you're going to feel better because you're, you're, you're getting your issues worked out at the same time. So everybody wins. And and people in a group setting tend to have even greater gains than if they're just doing it by themselves. So I want to mention as well that there's an accountability factor to the group setting. So people, once you're in there, you are expected to show up every week and Matt's going to ask you what's going on if you don't show up. <laughs> so. Right. Because the beginning starts on day one and the middle starts on day two. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets hard on day two and um, we want to see you succeed. So I know Matt and the other people in the group 
will um, be holding each person accountable to uh, taking the steps they need to take to reach their goals. Yes. So this is not for the faint-hearted, but it will be um, greatly rewarded at the end, I believe. I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, and if you're interested in the Mastermind group, I guess we should tell people where to go. Go to thrivetribe419.com and click on eCourses, and then you can find the Mastermind class in there, and you just sign up um, under Mastermind with Matt. Sounds good. All right, so we're moving on to listener question number three. The question is, what are some generally helpful blood tests to explore that a conventional doctor might not recommend? And Dr. Watts says, most primary care physicians will order a complete blood count, a comprehensive metabolic panel, liver and kidney function, fasting glucose, and lipid panel for annual lab work. We want to keep in mind that insurance could limit the kind of testing that is done or patients could be left with an expensive bill after the fact. In addition to what your primary care physician might order, she typically likes to see um, thyroid stimulating hormone, free T4 and free T3. These labs give us a more thorough picture of thyroid function, hormone production, as well as hormone conversion. If a patient is symptomatic with constipation, fatigue, weight gain, difficult weight loss, alopecia, dry skin, all three of these labs would be beneficial. If a patient has a strong family history of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Performing a thyroglobulin and thyroperoxidase antibodies would also be beneficial. Some symptoms of an underactive thyroid, hypothyroidism, such as fatigue, alopecia, dry skin, can also present with anemia or iron deficiency. If she has a patient with a history of menorrhagia, heavy menses, a vegetarian or vegan diet, history of GI issues such as GERD, a CBC is indicated. A CBC can catch an overt anemia, however an iron panel including iron, ferritin, TIBC uh, percentage saturation is also beneficial. Alterations in an iron panel and iron deficiency could be present with symptoms and abnormalities far before it's caught on a CBC. Another point she makes is that the 25-hydroxy vitamin D would be a good one to test for. It's recognized that vitamin D deficiencies are common and that vitamin D has many potential actions in the body outside of bone health as we have been taught in the past. Vitamin D potentially has hormone-like functions in the body deficiencies are quite common, and I know that's especially true in Northwest Ohio. There are multiple other helpful blood tests that naturopathic doctors may use depending on the person. Conditions such as diabetes, hypercholesterolemia, suspension, suspicion of hormone imbalances, 
can prompt conversations regarding lab work that might provide a more complete picture of an individual's health. So thank you, Dr. Watts, for that. Um, those were some really thorough answers. So I know that my listeners really appreciate you going into such detail. And um, that was extremely helpful. So thank you, thank you. All right, tribe. Well, that's it. That is our first episode of the Holistic Health Monthly, Living Wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you're having a really great Christmas week or whatever holiday you're celebrating. I hope you're enjoying that. And join us next month. We have Dr. Tyler Schwanz as our Q&A expert. So um, the get rebel. on. The rebel. The rebel chiropractor. So you can get on our Facebook page or Instagram um, and let us know what questions you have for Dr. Schwanz. And I am sure he will come up with some great answers for us too. So... Have a great week. We will see you on New Year's Day with a really extra special episode with da, 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 Sarah Dean from the Shameless Mom Academy. She is from Seattle. She has um, her podcast has been on the iTunes New and Noteworthy chart. Um, since the very beginning, which is rare to impossible to keep your <laughs> podcast on that chart um, beyond like eight weeks. And hers has been on there for, I think, 18 months. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, I just love her podcast. She's, um, she's one of my faves, and I'm kind of um, starry eyed right now that she's doing this for us so you gotta tune in she's gonna talk about being shameless in the new year and uh i think it's gonna be epic so we'll see you on monday and we're out happy new year everybody happy new year Thanks for listening to the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Do you know someone who could benefit from the information you just heard? Share the love by sharing this episode. Want to connect online? Check out thrivetribe419.com to leave a review or check out more episodes. You can also join the conversation by searching for Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time. Keep thriving.